Hello everyone, this is Bola. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So on today's episode of the podcast, my guest is Julie Alma Taveras and Julie is the founder of Investing Latina. So Julie started out with investing as a teenager. She made a ton of her own money mistakes and then went on to dig herself out of five figures of consumer debt. And now today, her mission is to educate others, specifically women, about financial literacy. Her biggest investment accomplishment is starting early. And so on this episode of the podcast with Julie, we have a conversation about investing simply and how small steps can lead to big progress. We talked about her personal story and why she's an advocate of women and investing, her biggest money mistakes and how she recovered from them, her long-term investing goals and her current investing strategy, as well as a ton of other really awesome things that will motivate you and inspire you as you continue to invest or think about getting started with investing. But before we dive into this episode, we recently launched a super useful guide slash checklist called the Clever Girl Finance Roadmap. And it's based on the principles in the Clever Girl Finance book, my first book, which you can find everywhere books are sold. And this roadmap is broken into six key components. It is a detailed and actionable guide to help you get equipped with the knowledge and confidence you need to handle your money, get out of debt, and create a sound financial future for yourself. And so if you have the Clever Girl Finance book already, this is a great guide to accompany it. And if you don't, it's still super useful as a standalone guide as well. We also have a ton of videos on our YouTube channel where we are adding new videos every single week. I'm sharing money tips as well as informal Q&A videos answering the questions that you guys send over to us. So be sure to get a copy of the roadmap. Check out the Clever Girl Finance book, head on over to YouTube, and be sure to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new articles on the website multiple times a week, and we have a ton of courses on the site to support you as you work on achieving your financial goals. And once you sign up to become a Clever Girl Finance member, you get access to scheduled calls with our amazing mentors who can keep you accountable and support you as you work on your goals as well. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. So iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, etc. And just a quick update that I thought I will share with you guys before we get into this episode is that Clever Girl Finance book two is coming soon. It's going to be called Learn How Investing Works and Grow Your Money. I just got done. Well, I'm almost done with my first draft. I'm going over it again and it's going to be submitted to my publisher in March with a release date, hopefully in September of 2020. And I cannot wait because this is a topic that I get asked about a lot and I put my heart in just like with the first book to writing this second book so I'm excited to share that that book is coming soon later this year and yeah stay tuned so let's get into this episode with Julie hey Julie welcome to the clever girls no podcast hi Bola thank you so much I'm so happy to be here I am excited to have you on and I would love for you to tell everybody who you are and what you do Awesome. My name is Julie, and I am the founder of Investing Latina, which you guys can all find on Instagram. That's kind of my go-to. I love to Instagram. I'm a millennial after all. (laughs) (laughs) And um, essentially, I am really dedicated now towards uh, sharing my story, my sort of financial story, which really started when my dad gave me my first credit card. 
Oh, wow. So I know that you are, you know, one of the things that you focus on is teaching women and young girls about investing. But I'd love for you to share more of that personal story and how you got started with investing with the ladies who are listening. Yes, for sure. So when it came to investing specifically, I really started when I was 19 years old. I was working at a nonprofit and it was there for a 403B account, which is what we call here. I know that you have a lot of international listeners, but in the U.S., a 403 is for a nonprofit organization to have a retirement account for all of its employees. So that's really where I started. And I really, of course, did not understand what it all meant. But they said, hey, put your money in here. You can put whatever you want and, you're, and the company will match. So once I hear free money, I'm like, that sounds good to me. <laughs> and I yep. started, right? Like, how can you say no to free money? I mean, I wasn't that young and stupid. <laughs> so I, I signed up for it. And that's pretty much where I started. And I remember looking at the paperwork. It's, it's been, you know, a little over 10 years at this point. And I remember looking at the paperwork and, it's, and it was a target date index fund or a target date fund that was really geared towards whenever your retirement date was going to be. And here we retire supposedly at 65 years old. So for me, that would have been 2053. So mm-hmm. I just literally checked the box and that said, um, retiring in 2053, uh, invest my money as you wish. <laughs> <laughs> and it gave the, the, uh, fund manager the the chance to do what they wanted. Later on, of course, I understood what that mean, what that meant. So it just meant that you were more invested in stocks and let and less invested in bonds uh, because the time is there for you to take risk and invest in companies and it gives you the opportunity to to lose money some years but also gain it, which obviously in the trajectory of the US uh, market it's been very uphill <laughs> for the past 20 years. So uh, that's kind of where I really started, started. Um, and then since then, I've had a lot of different accounts as I moved jobs. So the first one was nationwide. I was with T. Rowe Price at one point, um, then John Hancock. So every single time I got a new job, it was like relearning everything all over again. And that, I think, was probably where my investing um, experience comes from. Just the fact that you have to refill out all the paperwork, move the money around, and allocate it to where you would like to invest. Mm-hmm. So you basically were incentivized, kind of like I was, <laughs> with the idea of the free money. And that got you interested in you know, contributing to your 43P. And then with every job that you went to, you basically did more research and gained more knowledge about how investing works, right? Yes, exactly. So I just, I knew that I kept doing it and I'm like, okay, you know, I know that this makes sense. And then I found out more information, like what are the max limits on it and how much uh, ideally should you be contributing in order to get to this particular amount of money at retirement. So I just kind of really started playing with calculators and doing things uh, to, to just keep learning about it. And I work in the fashion industry so this, this is what I went to school for, even though my dad really wanted me to be an accountant. <laughs> I went to fashion school. He's like, do something safe. You know, you, you'll definitely have a job if you become an accountant. 
he's an accountant, by the way. And I'm just like, no, I love clothes. I love shoes. And I went to fashion school and um, essentially that kind of threw off my investment. Uh, I started going into debt. So I had started investing in that uh, small account, the 403 account, and I made my first investment mistake through that account. And that first mistake was that I did not stay at the company until I was vested into the account. So to become vested into, to become vested, you, the money that is contributed by your employer becomes truly yours. So for my employer, it was three years. And I ended up leaving that job two and a half years into it. I just didn't know. I didn't understand that there was a vesting process. I thought that all the money that was in there was mine. So essentially, that was the first time that I learned my investing, my investment mistake uh, or my investment lesson. And I ended up losing $6,000 because of that. It was so painful. <laughs> I think everybody has to make investing mistakes, but you know, for the for folks who are listening, when Judy referred to like vesting, that's essentially if your employer has a match, right? So a lot of times if your employer has a match, they'll give you this vesting schedule that says, well, you will get 50% of you'll be you'll be a, you will fully own, let's say 50% of everything we contribute after two years of being employed. And then you can have 100% after five years of being here. Every employer might have like their own variation of the schedule. And so even if they're matching you, right, and they're giving you this free money, if you quit your job in six months, then they have, depending on what's in their schedule, the ability to take some of that back. And so, you know, sometimes life happens, right? If you have a better opportunity and you have a better job that you want to go out and seek, you have to weigh the pros and cons, right? So the $6,000 you lost because you left before you were fully vested um, may not have exceeded the opportunity that you went on to pursue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's sure. like a good way, to, a positive way to look at it. <laughs> it. It definitely is a positive way to look at it um, because I did go on to a job that where I was making more money. And they were also contributing to the account. So yeah, becoming vested or finding out when your uh, employer vests your the, the funds that they give you is very important. I would say that's one of the number one questions that you should ask when you start uh, an account, a mm-hmm. retirement account with an employer. And I love that your story is in a sense um, simple, right? You, like you had mentioned had the option from your from your employer to contribute to the 403B. They were offering free money. You contributed and you started to learn as you go. I think a lot of times people feel like there's lots of complexities around investing, which there can be if you want to go down that route, but there doesn't have to be, right? So people have this idea that there's tons of complexities and so they get overwhelmed even thinking about it and they don't take action. And I like that, you know, you just decided to take action and you paced yourself as you went along. And one of the things that you mentioned um, was another simple way of how you invested, which was contributing to your employer's target date fund, right? Which is basically a fund that has a variety of stocks and bonds, um, maybe some cash, and it's initially aggressive, but then it be- 
becomes more conservative as you get towards that timeline of when you say is your retirement date. And it's almost like a set it and, and forget it. And obviously, right, there might be fees associated. There might be, it's left to the discretion of the fund manager, um, but it's still you investing, right, without having to overthink it and almost like leaving it to the experts to help you figure it out. And you can always look at the history of it, you know, and do more research of, on it yourself if you're trying to get more information, which is what you did. So as you got started with your investing journey or as you went along with your investing journey, um, what were some, did you have any fears? Were you like worried about what's going on with your money? Um, and how did you deal with, with them if you had any? Um, when it came to the retirement account, I didn't have any fears. But when I open up my brokerage account, that's where the fears trickle. So in. invest on your own. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, okay, with the account held by the employer, it's a managed account. It's pretty simple. And every time I look at it, it keeps going up because I happen to have started investing when we were in a recession. So there was nowhere else to go but up, honestly. <laughs> So that just seemed good. And it actually really did inspire me to continue to invest. And then when I opened up the brokerage, I was just like, oh, my God, it's all on me now. I have no one to blame if this investment <laughs> account goes down. So I had to really do more research. But even until the moment that I opened the account, I was a little bit nervous. Um, so it just takes that little bit of practice. You have to just give it a shot and start small. I literally bought only six shares. Um, of an index fund, and that was it. And I and I took it from there. And then every month I, I buy a little bit more. But I do make a note to definitely study what I am purchasing. Because at the end of the day, these are purchases, right? Just like any other purchase that we would make. I have always purchased Chanel bags. <laughs> and I thought about it many, many times. And I researched every single detail about it. The about the bag, right? You're like, what color? What leather? What of size? <laughs> All the history, like what year, um, which one launched in what year and whatnot. So these are actually the same principles that I started applying to investing. That's, so. that's, a, really great, that's a really great way to think about it because I think a lot of us as just human beings, when we are interested in something or when we're looking to buy a quality item, right, we're going to spend a lot of time finding the best price, the best quality, this, that, the pros, the cons. We'll do all this research, right? Um, and so that's exactly the same thing that should apply to investing. Like you said, I think a lot of people just assume that it's going to be hard, um, without actually making the effort to do the research that they are they do anyway in their day-to-day -day life. Like I, for one, I, I research grocery products. <laughs> you do? <laughs> you will see me like random example. So somebody gave us a loaf of bread and I'm originally from Nigeria and it's this Nigerian, you know, style bread. And I was like, let me take a look at these ingredients. <laughs> and I, you know, there's all these things I couldn't pronounce. And I went on Google and I spent all this time investing, I mean, researching the ingredients in the bread. And I got into this whole ingredients researching phase from when I was pregnant and trying to figure out like, you know, what I was going to eat and then have yes. what to feed them, all that kind of stuff. And how important that is, right? Driving like, myself crazy. Yeah. Driving myself. <laughs> another human being. You want to do the exactly. best for them. <laughs> So I was driving myself crazy researching ingredients in formula. Ladies, don't do it. You don't want to know. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's like that. If we can take 
take time to do research even mindlessly on random stuff, then why shouldn't we take time to research something that is really, really tied and really important to our future selves, which is our finances, right? So I love that you you described it in that way. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned mindlessly. And I think that that's the power of our Instagram feeds and how much we put out there. It's something that people do on their way to work. You're just kind of uh, going about your life, but you're scrolling through. So the things that you consume are very important in general in life. And that goes to social media as well. So that's why for my platform at Investing Latina Instagram account, I want to be able to be that mindless reminder to people like, hey, remember to open up an account. Remember to open up something for your child for to save for college and whatnot. So I think that's super important. And, and the more mindless it, it can become, I think the easier it is to absorb information, you know? Yeah. And then it also becomes when you're doing things mindlessly, it also becomes in a sense, second nature, because they're used to doing that. You automatically go and check, you know, the stock market that morning, or you go and make sure that you've, your deposit into your account went through for that month. It becomes something that you do organically because you're now used to it. Yes. And I have one tip that I would love to share. I always tell people that I know you make your first your you make your best financial decision early in the morning. So when I wake up a lot of times, I do check out what the stock stock market is like, and I will purchase shares early in the morning and kind of get that done. I pay my bills early in the morning and get that done and out of the way. Your mind is just rested. It allows you to uh, just think a little bit more clearly. So when it comes, if you're interested in, in starting an investment account today, for example, uh, think about it, write down some ideas, and first thing tomorrow morning, go ahead and go for it. Do it first thing in the morning. Don't do things tired. The same reason we shouldn't shop at the end of the day because we'll end up <laughs> over shopping. Um, you should also like apply that to your investment strategy. So I think it's very important to to think think to make decisions with a fresh mind. Yeah, and before the distractions of the day take over and before you know it, you spent your money on stuff that you didn't plan because, you know, life was just happening. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of your long-term objectives um, or goals as it relates to your investments? Because I think it's important that everybody has, you know, plans. You know, why are you investing? So what are some of your goals as you're building your portfolio, Um what are some of the things that you are hoping to be able to accomplish that you're going to leverage the money that you are investing um, yes. to accomplish? Absolutely. I would, I come from, an, I am an immigrant and we're from the Dominican Republic and we're the, the mindset of an immigrant family. One of the most important things is to buy a home, right? The American dream. And for us specifically, it actually is the, the, the goal is not to only have property here in the U.S., but also in the Dominican Republic. So for me, as a long-term goal, those two things really do apply. Aside from my retirement fund that I have and my brokerage account that I have, I am also working towards investing into real estate. So that's a very important part of my strategy, my long-term strategy, to make sure that I also diversify in the right way and include that, you know, because it's something that 
that is important to us, to our family, to my family. And I love that. I love that you're thinking about, you know, diversifying outside of the stock market and into real estate and also your bigger picture of of your family as well. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think all of us um, are inspired by our families and we're motivated by them. The things that we do are, I don't have any children yet, but of course I think about down the line and how I would love to pass down generational wealth for the first time in my, in my family's history. So that's something that's important to me. And I think that doing that through real estate is kind of a no brainer. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely part of part of the strategy overall. In general, when it comes to the retirement accounts, it's really about maxing out. So that making sure that I put as much as I can towards that, um, making sure that with the brokerage, I am very knowledgeable about the specific uh, uh, the specific shares that I buy through specific accounts. I think that makes it very important. Just to understand what you're doing because if you know what you're doing you can kind of uh, make better decisions, right? Mm-hmm. If you understand it more. So saving for for real estate is kind of like my next big project. And just having your investments diversified, stock market, real estate, business, et cetera, is, you know, you already setting yourself up to be able to transition that generational wealth, um, which is awesome and not even just transition forward but even back you know to your parents if that's one of your priorities too um and sometimes people think that you have to you know like you have to have all this money to be able to do anything but in order to even get to the point where you can say that you have all this money for most people right most people don't win the lottery most people don't get inheritances most people don't get windfalls right those are like rare occurrences right even though they may seem common because they're amplified by social media and you know things like that but most people who have money who say they're financially independent financially comfortable it was never just one day and one thing that led them to wealth it was the build-up over time you know like you starting with that first deposit or your six shares in your index in your index fund and your first deposit into your 403b that was the beginning right and then when you look back you say well you know I built all of this wealth, but I started at this point. And I think it's important for everyone listening to kind of keep that in mind that, like you said, Julie, it's investing is a long-term play and building wealth takes time. And yes. it's all about getting started with those, with those, with those, with that small beginning, because you're talking yeah. about your end goal, like your generational wealth, becoming, you know, having assets in real estate and all this stuff, being the first one in your family, right? And that's, those are like like big dreams, but people have to recognize that big dreams always start with small, tiny little seeds being planted. Right. Absolutely. I uh, share online, please, uh, everyone tell me what's your small financial win today? What did you do today that's tiny? And it could be just saving on breakfast or not getting a fancy lunch, um, making a meal at home, all of those little things that affect us that we we make decisions every single day, right? And if we don't um, recognize that by choosing an alternative, you can either get closer to your dream or get further away from it. 
So having a small financial win every single day for me is super important. It's kind of been a mantra that I started when I started really talking about my journey and sharing it with everyone. And I think that it, it motivates me every single day to kind of stay on track. You know, and if I have these big dreams of owning property and having generational wealth, it's not because I'm going to win the lottery. Like you said, <laughs> I don't even play the lottery. So it's just not, I know for a fact that it will not happen, but I know that I have the power. I know that I have, um, you know, accumulated a certain amount of skill in my life when it comes to how, how I manage my career and manage my, my life and staying healthy. All of these things are, are powers that we a lot of times don't realize we have because it's so everyday for us. But these are important things that we have to be proud of ourselves for doing and just kind of keep it going. And that's not to say that you're not going to have hurdles. Like I struggled for some time with credit card debt and that really set me back in a big way. Um, luckily, it was a kind of wake-up call. And it was during a time where I was making a good amount of money. Uh, so I was able to kind of turn it around, even though it took a lot out of me. And I changed a lot as a person. I was able to turn it around and, and realize, you know, I can't move forward if I keep doing these things and I keep going backwards. So I think that's a really valid point, right? It's not about perfection and investing, not, you know, people, it's not about building that perfect, perfect deposits, perfect portfolio, perfection, perfection mm -hmm. until you become rich. Everybody faces some, some sort of setback. Everybody makes mistakes and you just alluded to your credit card debt. So I'd love for you to give us a bit more insight towards that because again, there are people who might think, well, I've gone myself onto, into all this credit card debt. You know, I can never be successful. I can never invest. I can never build wealth. Right. And so I did that because I was working in the fashion industry and everything was like glamorous and beautiful and constantly going to parties and dinners. And I had to always entertain clients and all of these things. So for me, and fashion, fashion has always been my love. Like since I was, when I was 13 years old, I decided that I was going to go to fashion high school. So I went to the high school of fashion in New York. It was literally the best experience of my life. And it, it had a huge impact in my overall uh, career and how much money I ended up making because I really started off oh, wow. so young. I remember the day that I was in eighth grade flipping through the, the, the high school, the book of high schools, which was a huge textbook. And I saw that, like, it's so weird because it's such a, it's, it's such a fresh memory in my mind. And it said high school, the fashion industries. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I like this. My mom has always been a fashion girl. She loves to dress up. She loved going shopping with us and dressing us up as well with me and my two sisters. And um, so I, I went there. And I went to the for I went to college for fashion design and then fashion merchandising. I ended up minoring in economics because at the end of the day, I am a numbers person. Like I enjoy that, and I thought it was important. So, uh, and I guess all the talk that my dad had had put into my ear kind of came back to me. <laughs> I didn't become an accountant, but everything that he was in my ear telling me before it kind of uh, sunk in at some point. And I was interested in economics. So I wanted to know how the system works and how to kind of apply it. So I did study all of that. I went out into the workforce. 
I started making money. I started working uh, glamorous jobs. I worked with Mr. Ralph Lauren himself. And it just became a sort of lifestyle inflation situation mm. where I just wanted to spend and always be looking perfect and always have something new for every season. So being in that industry kind of, um, in a sense, held me back in terms of my full financial goals. But it was something that that I took a large lesson from because when I when lifestyle inflation started creeping in, there is a point if you're buying five thousand dollar bags <laughs> so frequently, there's going to be a point where you're not affording it. So um, <laughs> I, I got into a lot of debt, and I still oh my gosh, I, I haven't gotten to the comfort level to publicly share how much, but I will one day. I will. I, I will tell you guys like how much it was. So I, but I got into huge debt and then I felt like I was being crushed by this debt. I could no longer invest. I could no longer do things that I wanted to do. I could no longer, I I had, I, I kind of lost myself in a weird way because I had these ideas of things that I wanted to do, but now the credit card debt was consuming me and that interest rate was killing me, uh, you know, over 20%, 25% interest rate on credit cards. Wow. It, it, it adds up very quickly. So I had to really kind of change a little bit and start to say no to things, um, not go to so many events and not constantly buy new things. And there was also this, this sense of wanting to impress others. Um, in my industry and, and just friends also in general. So I had to kind of learn that lesson. And I knew that I had these big dreams and big, big goals. And one of them is definitely to have real estate and have my own home. So, but if I wanted to get there, I couldn't do it with, with credit card. (laughs) And I put my, my head down. I didn't buy a single fashion item for I want to say a full year. I don't remember the exact time, but it was probably a full year, if not more, that I didn't buy a single fashion item. Bola, I had a huge closet full of things. And even with a full year of not shopping, I never run out of things to wear. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew that, you know, I was just going overboard. So you have to kind of recognize that in yourself, I think. And I'm glad that I did it before it became extremely severe um, and perhaps crippling, which I think happens to some people, whereas it it feels like it's so much that you just don't do anything about it. But, you know, I want to I want to say that no matter how much it is, you can always take a small, small step to do it. Find out what the interest rate on your card is. Try to negotiate that. If you have a lot of credit card debt, that should be your first step. Find out how much you're paying on interest rate and try to negotiate a lower rate. So I did these kind of things and I stayed on top of my credit report and credit score to make sure that things were in line and, and getting better. And seeing that that progression kept inspiring me. So I think once you get started, you can really bounce back. And essentially, that's what I did. I bounced back in December for my birthday I became debt-free. This was Woo-hoo! December 20th. I know. Yay! <laughs> I call it the debt-free dance because, you know, I'm Latina and we just have to dance to everything. <laughs> and I did a debt-free dance. Uh, that was December 2016. 
and since then I've, I've been able to put my investment goals in full gear. I love it. First of all, I'm coming to visit your closet. You're a New York girl. Yes. <laughs> you know, we're on that wavelength <laughs> with those handbags. And second of all, you know, sometimes it's easy to get sidetracked. You know, I, I know what it's like to live in New York and have all the pressures of people who have things that you want to have or people who are making more money than you and you want to keep up and things like that. And just getting to the point where we're able to recognize it, number one. And then number two, take action. Because I think a lot of people recognize when they have an issue and they're at this crossroads. Um, do I just YOLO this, whatever, you know, and just <laughs> right. figure this out? Yeah, or that's kind of what you think. Yeah. Do I just stop and really decide what I want for my life? And you pulled those things that you wanted to accomplish back out and you went the path of, you know, what I'm done with this. And you know, what's interesting is that you're going to be that girl that has everything you want with all the money in the bank. Yes. That's my goal. Oh my God. Your, <laughs> your lips to God's ears. <laughs> yeah. but so you're, go ahead. To your point though, you know, I, you, you get to know yourself and you do every once in a while, you have to treat yourself. You have to do things that you enjoy. You have to buy something that's going to be important to you. So that's totally fine. And that's, that's okay. I still do that, but it's just a matter of being in control of it. And I think as women, we are very capable and very powerful to control a lot of things in our surroundings. There are of course things that we can't control, but honestly, financial your, your financial literacy, you can control that. And a lot of times we're better than men are at it. So it's just a matter of, you know, getting started and, and keeping it going, keeping good momentum once you've started something. And when you decide when something happens and, and you kind of uh, fall back and you fall off your budget or you start shopping a little too much again, just remember that you can go back and you can be the the author of your story. I love that. I love that. So, you know, you're in the space where you're, you've learned, you've taught yourself investing, you know what your goals are, you know what your objectives are, you have your timelines in place. Um, I'm just curious to know, like, you know, what is your current investing strategy? Like, I know you alluded to index funds but and real estate, but like, typically, how are you investing? Are you into individual stocks? I'm just curious. And I think people who are listening will also want to know, like, you know, high level, how you're investing your money and also the frequency. Yes. So I am very invested in index funds, um, but I do still have a managed account, which as you know, managed accounts, they cost a little bit more and um, they are, it's diversified with U.S. funds and international funds. And um, I kind of let that do its own thing. When it comes to the brokerage, brokerage account that I have, it's really index funds. It's safe. It's easy. You buy it and you kind of, set it and forget it. Right. But I do track it because I'm also kind of teaching myself uh, more about the environment, the investing environment. I don't at this point invest into individual stocks. Um, I'm always very curious about it. And I would like to, for example, buying Tiffany and Co. <clears throat> hint, hint. <laughs> but um, <laughs> But I I haven't done it yet. I still think that I am uh, on the journey. You know, just because I've I've done it doesn't mean that I have done everything. And I I think that's also something important to know that being an investor and calling yourself an investor doesn't mean that you have done it all. 
Yeah. It just means that you choose and you have taken, you know, the action to, to start investing and to make a return. At the end of the day, we all want to make a return on our investments, regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I don't, I don't um, buy individual stocks. I focus on buying funds. And then I have that managed portfolio. That's a little bit more expensive, but yeah. I like it and it's worked and, you know, maybe the strategy will change slightly in the future, as long as the overarching strategy remains the same. Like I talked a little bit about having the retirement account, the brokerage and the real estate. If my pie still looks like that, divided in, in, into those spaces, then I'm, I'm in a good place. When it comes to the specifics of it, those will probably change. It could change every once in a while. Uh, but for now, I kind of like it where it's at. And in general, regarding uh, investing, definitely on a biweekly basis. Okay, that's awesome. And you're you're kind of similar to my style with a little bit a little bit of differences. Um, but for folks who are listening, you know, especially the newbie investors, just to kind of break down some of what you said, you know, a managed fund could be something like a mutual fund that's tied to a fund manager who's taking ownership of basically how the funds in that account are going to be to be invested and you're not making decisions yourself and you would typically pay, you know, a a fee for that, for example. Um, Or if you have a brokerage, you know, managing all your investing for you, um, then that would cost you and that will fall under that managed investing. And then an index fund, which is something that I'm a huge fan of and lots of people are like Warren Buffett. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. It's basically (laughs) an index fund basically tracks a um, a market index, something like the S&P 500. So even if you don't know what the S&P 500 is, right, you've probably heard it on the news and it is, um, or in passing with like, you know, just in conversation or somewhere, so you've probably most likely heard of the index that is the S&P 500. And what it is, it is the 500 um, large companies, largest companies in America listed on the United States Stock Exchange. And, and in, there can be an index fund, for example, that tracks the performance of that S&P 500. And so that's like a very passive um, type of investment. If those companies do well, your fund does well. If the economy is kind of like so-so, then your your fund um, might be so-so. However, the whole idea of the index is tracking growth. And those big companies are always growing because they're pursuing growth and they're tied to the economy. So just to give you an idea. Um, so, yeah, and from my perspective, so I invest similarly to you, but I also do some individual stock investing, particularly with my kids, um, because I'm teaching them what it means to invest. I'm teaching them what is a stock, what is a bond, and we're investing in like small fractional amounts, but it helps them get the concept of, okay, I can buy McDonald's to eat, or I can buy McDonald's to own the company. Nice. Um, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And then behind the scenes, I'm investing in an index fund for them, but they haven't gotten to that point here because they're just six but they will get there (laughs) so that's awesome I'm always curious to know how you know folks um especially as I'm writing my second book now (laughs) how folks on investing oh my gosh I cannot wait I know so I'm always curious to know so for someone who's listening to this that is intimidated by investing wants to get started is not sure has made mistakes and it's like oh I don't know what advice would you give that listener? Um, I would definitely recommend that they essentially start by 
following along. You have to see someone do it. And this is why I love what you do, Bola, because I am a strong believer that representation matters. Yes. And 100 percent yes. <laughs> someone like you talking about this, I am telling you, it's so inspiring to me. Thank you. And I know that you're inspiring so many women all over the world to also do the, do these things and invest in themselves and uh, you know, take that take take that action to just do something for yourself and for your family and for your children. So I am a strong believer that you should just follow along, whether it's on Instagram, it's on Facebook, it's on Twitter, someone that is doing what you would like to do. So I feel like if you can start there, that's a great place. And then the next step is to literally look into what you, every, most people are working and most people have 401k plans at work. So start there. And if you start to look at exactly what are the funds that you're currently invested in through your 401k, um, you can also kind of get an idea. Oh, so what else can I buy to, to kind of diversify that? So I think that was my idea when I opened the brokerage account. So if you are already in, invested by having a 401k at work, you can actually use that to your advantage. Take power in that and read through it and understand what your what funds you have. And then you can kind of take the next step. And if you don't have that option, you can always just go to one of the big brokerages that are out there. Uh, Vanguard, for example, is one of the, the biggest ones and they're a low fee uh, sort of discount brokerage. So if you like TJ Maxx, for example, you're going to like Vanguard, (laughs) (laughs) right? Because these are one of the brokerages that are out there that offer very low fees for you to get started. So you can just go Vanguard.com, open an IRA, a, a retirement account, or if you have a child, you can open a 529 account with them, uh, for them. So you can definitely start there and um, call them up. There's nothing wrong with calling up uh, these these institutions. They're there to help you. They can't give you investment advice. Neither can I. But you can definitely ask questions and have an idea of what you can do to really get started. But my biggest thing is to start today. That's all you got to do. Open up that account. Even if you don't put money into it, just open it so that you can say, you know what? I have an account at this brokerage and I'm going to get started. That'll push you. Awesome. Awesome. So Julie, what are some of your favorite investing resources? So I definitely use uh, Yahoo Finance. I have uh, that as a tab in my, on my computer and I check it out and I kind of see what's happening through there. It's also a great uh, uh, resource to kind of also look for, Uh, brokerages and a lot of different things. My number one besides that is also going to be Investopedia. I started using Investopedia five, six, maybe seven years ago, and I started getting their daily emails. And that really helped because you just got a little bit of a glimpse of what these terms are. Um, And I thought that was very helpful. So I would definitely recommend people to use Investopedia and Yahoo Finance. That's awesome. And it's finance.yahoo.com. And I have that memorized into my brain because when I first started learning about investing, that at the time was one of the just easiest um, visuals when it came to like looking at stocks and funds. And like for me, like visually, you know, it didn't like compress my brain. (laughs) (laughs) And I I still reference that 
site. There's tons of sites that when you go look at, you know, like their stock pages, like you're like, oh my God, what is this? Well, find out that Yahoo was like really nice. I liked that it was colorful and it had the purple Yahoo, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, visuals help, don't they? <laughs> like if it looks pretty, I'm there. Yeah. I feel like you and I are connected in that way. You know, I we're know. Just, we're just attracted to pretty things that are shiny. <laughs> But yeah, if you like pretty, definitely check out uh, Yahoo Finance. And Investopedia is also doing a really great job. Yeah, that's a great resource. Very, very user-friendly and, and nice to kind of look at and digest. Yeah, especially when it comes to understanding concepts. So that's an awesome resource. Uh, so Julie, before I let you go, I'd love to know what is your Clever Girl superpower? Mm, pause. <laughs> <laughs> You can think about it. It's okay. I, I need to think about it a little bit. What's my clever girl superpower? My clever girl superpower is that I am not afraid to take action. I love it. <laughs> Clearly, from the whole podcast, that is your superpower. I love it because you did take action, right, to start investing, to get out of debt, to build a portfolio, and now to start to establish generational wealth and achieve your big financial goals. So that is an amazing superpower that we should all be working on. <laughs> yes, just go for it, my people. Like, you know, you, you see things, get inspired by the people around you. And take risk. Life is about taking risk um, and making sure that you get a little bit closer every single day to who you want to be. And then finally, how can folks keep up with you? Where can they keep in touch with you? The number one place to keep up with me is on Instagram. It's at Investing Latina. You can also email me if you have any questions. My email is investinglatina at gmail.com. Pretty simple. Um, I'm very happy to answer questions. I get DMs from people asking for some sort of advice. And although I can't give investment advice, I'm very happy to just be your cheerleader and encourage you to take action. So <laughs> that's awesome. And I'll be sure to include that information in the show notes. So thank you so much, Julie, for taking the time out to share your story and your advice um, with all of our amazing listeners. Thank you so much, Bola. Thank you, Clever Girls. And look forward to Bola's book because I know I am. <laughs> I'm so yes, excited yes. when you reached out. I'm like, wait, is there going to be an investing book? <laughs> yes, coming soon. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much and have a great day. Okay. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Julie. And if you did, be sure to tell your girlfriends about this podcast and be sure to subscribe everywhere you listen to your podcasts. And head on over to clevergirlfinance.com to check out our content. We add new articles and videos every single week. And of course, we have a ton of courses to support you as you work on achieving your financial goals. Thank you guys so much for being here and I will talk to you on the next episode.